Uh, yeah, so Vilma did a backstory last time she spoke, so I'm going to do a backstory. <laughs> uh, this this scripture is, uh, I don't think I've ever spoken on it, uh, but it's always been one of those ones that kind of stuck in the back of my head. How beautiful are the feet of, on the mountain of he who brings good news. Um, it's just, to me, it's just evangelism. It's just, it just speaks to those that have the calling of evangelists on their lives, um, but it speaks to each one of us the importance of giving them the good news to our friends and family and our neighbors. Um, so, backstory. Velma spoke at Luke 14 uh, about a month ago, a month and a bit ago, in our series on uh, Meals with Jesus, which was a really cool series. Uh, we went through the book of Luke and talked about all the meals that Jesus had with uh, different people, his disciples. Uh, but Velma spoke on... Uh, the master who planned a great banquet. Do you guys remember that? This guy had this big party. Uh, he invited all these people to come out to it. They agreed to come. And then, once the banquet was prepared and ready, what happened? Everybody refused to come. They all made excuses. Uh, so, what does the master do? He sends out a servant out into the streets and the lanes of the city to bring in any who would come. Uh, those who are normally overlooked, uh, the downtrodden, the downcast, uh, the people from the lesser part of town, perhaps, um, they were all invited in. Uh, but it just wasn't a banquet. It said it was a great banquet. So there was a lot of room. So even after the servant went through the streets and the lanes and brought in all these people that normally are overlooked, there was still room. And the, and the master says, no, I want you to go out again. This time he says, well, the highways and the hedges. Um, and again, I'm looking at this as an evangelist. Uh, it, was a, it was a really good message. <laughs> but I was kind of lost in, oh, what a powerful message of evangelism. So he says, go out into the lanes and the, uh, sorry, the streets and the lanes, and he says, go out to the highways and the hedges, so that my house may be filled. Um, so as an evangelist, like, kind of look at myself at that because that's, that's it that's what my heart is if you know me long enough I have a hard time not to to share to others what Jesus has done in my life and so I'm looking at this story as she's talking about the meal it's a really cool meal and, it, and it's it's looking at the people that are normally overlooked being allowed to come into this I'm looking at this as the master of this banquet is God and he's prepared a feast or a kingdom a kingdom eternal and he's invited chosen guests to come, but they refuse, obviously. I don't know, maybe this is obvious for some of you. Um, but he sends out a servant. So here's the, the evangelist are being sent out. So the guy that's normally basically just waiting on tables and doing stuff around the house suddenly becomes an evangelist to go out and say, no, the master wants you to come in. Um, and he brings these people in. The good news of that story, the good news of the hope, is that the master wants us, the poor, the downcast, the neglected, the overlooked, to be with him. And so that's what I got out of that. And, and it wasn't just Pastor Noah, but Pastor Nick spoke, uh, I can't remember if it was last week or a few weeks ago, when he was speaking on the road to Emmaus. And all these things were just kind of popping out, and then he asked me to speak. I'm like, okay, guess what I'm speaking on. Um, 
But he spoke on the road to Emmaus, and that's always, again, if you know me long enough, this is one of my stories I just love. Um, Jesus comes along the side of two discouraged disciples. This is after he's been crucified and buried, uh, but they think everything's over. Their hope is lost. And he comes alongside them and starts to encourage them. He starts to open the scriptures and teaches them. He speaks with them. He goes into their house and sits down and has a meal with them and breaks bread with them. Uh, upon being encouraged by Jesus, having their eyes open, their hope restored, what did they do? After walking miles and miles away from the city, they turn around and go back into Jerusalem uh, to share the good news that Jesus is alive, that he disappeared to them. So he finds the disciples and he goes and tells them this. Uh, the line in there that I always loved was, didn't our hearts burn when he opened the scriptures to us? Uh, there's always a response of having an encounter with Jesus. Uh, if you're here as a Christian today, you probably know what I'm talking about. Whether it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or just last week, uh, when you encounter Jesus, something happens. Um, that verse that's just kind of been speaking and burning. It's, I'm trying to figure out where it was supposed to go in this message, but just, just you know, this is this is my heart. This is uh, from the moment that I encountered Jesus. Uh, there's been a change. Now, I mean, I didn't get perfect overnight, and I'm not perfect at all. As you well know, um, but there's been an incredible change. And those closest to me know. Uh, you know the life that I came out of. You know what I what I'm trying to do now. Um, but I had an encounter with Jesus, and it was powerful. And there's a verse in Jeremiah. It says, "If I say, I will not mention him, or speak any more of his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire." Shut up in my bones. And I'm weary of withholding it. And I cannot. So that's been one of my kind of verses that um, when I get discouraged, when I want to give up, and when I try to hide the fact of what Jesus has done for me, that one always comes back. There's this burning in my, my inner being. I can't stay quiet. <laughs> um, and just talk to my wife about me trying to go to the grocery store to get a bag of milk. <laughs> it's not just a quick trip in and out. Um, no, there's always a change in our life when we encounter Jesus. So, uh, honestly, I, I've been working on this message now for a month. And it's changing back and forth, and I, Rob asked me what I was thinking on so I think it's Jordan asking this morning. I think I'm speaking on evangelism, but I'm not really speaking on evangelism. I think I think it's what what happens to you after an encounter with Jesus. Um, but what is evangelism? Uh, we get the term from two words. This here's your teaching part. Euangelion is a, a, a noun meaning good news or uh, the gospel. So what we read uh, here's an example: First Corinthians 15. Verses 3 and 4, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here it is. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried. On the third day, he rose in accordance with the Scriptures. 
That's the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again. It's really simple. We don't have to overthink it. But when we finally get that into our hearts, it's powerful, it's changing. It's, um, it's, it's free, it's liberty, it's liberating. Uh, it removes shame off of our, our lives. It allows us to hold our head up. Some of you are annoyed. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, a second word is evangelizo. It's a verb meaning to proclaim or announce. So evangelism is basically announcing or proclaiming the good news or the gospel. That Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That he was buried, that he rose again. You can have freedom from that. You don't have to worry anymore about what was your past. Okay, whose job is it? Whose job is it to evangelize? Uh, yeah, there's something you guys say. You got it. Ours. Sometimes we make excuses, though. I'm not the pastor, or I'm not Billy Graham, or pick an evangelist that you might have seen on TV. Uh, thanks, I don't name off my face. Uh, or I don't know how to. Uh, so this is what I want to kind of address at the beginning. Uh, Ephesians 4.11 says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So we call this the fivefold ministry. Uh, these are like positions or offices in the church or in the body that people that have set themselves apart to do this for the rest of their lives. Okay, so like Pastor Nick is one way to school, came back and one way to school. You guys have always studied, he's always learning, he's always growing, uh, because that's what his focus is. Mine's a little bit more different, I'm kind of in between, I'm still working, and I'm still evangelizing. Um, but people that have set themselves up apart. Um, did you know that their work, uh, their role is not to do the work, all the work? Do you know what their role is? If, if you read the very next line, verse 12 says, okay, I'll read the whole thing. So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The next line is, is to equip the saints. So that's all of us to do the work. So it is all of our responsibility. It's all of our job to share the good news. Jesus wants us to be his witnesses. In Mark 16, we get the Great Commission, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel, the good news, to the whole creation. So, I kind of take that one step further. It's, it's everything that God created, so it's the trees and everything. Guess where I used to practice? Right up there. <coughs> you might have, uh, back in the day, might have pulled into the parking lot and seen me walking around the trees practicing. Uh, those trees are increased the gospel many, many times. Uh, Acts 1 8 says, uh, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So, this is where we get our strength from the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Incidentally, go back to the banquet, the great banquet. When I was looking at that, he, he instructed his servant to go out to the, the streets and laneways. Uh, in my notes, I was like, 
Pastor Don was reading in my notes, I'm like, I circled that. And I was like, oh, local missions. And then he's, they, they came back and there was still more room. What he did, he says, go out to the highways and the hedges. We don't really know what the hedges are. It's more of a European thing. But it's the countryside. And I, I circled that. And it was like uh, world missions. So it's just, that's just the way I was looking at it. So Jesus is saying we're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. So that was the city that they were in. Judea and Samaria was the region. But then he says, into the earth. So this is where we're called to. Maybe not all of us are going to go around the world. But we are called to share. Okay. Permit me to give you three examples from everyday people and their response after having encountered Jesus and his kingdom. Let's take a drink. First example, not typically spoke about this time of year. Luke chapter 2. We find a bunch of shepherds out in the middle of a field. And we hear about this at Christmas all the time. But we don't really hear about it right now. What happens to them? This angel comes down and gives them this message that uh, there's going to be peace on the earth, the little baby's going to be born, and we're all going to be saved, right? Then there's a whole bunch of angels and it's the whole glory of God in the highest peace on earth, beautiful toward men. What happens to these guys after, or I should just say guys, maybe there's some ladies up there too. The shepherds, what did they do? They went to go see what just happened. So, they come and see the baby Jesus. Now, did Jesus bless them or anything? I don't know, he's just a baby. Like, Little Ellie back there. You know, that's he's newborn. But they, they they had this angelic encounter, uh, word from God, and they witnessed this baby that was just born. And it was something changing them. It changed so much that on the way back to go to their sheep, it says that they were praising God. Uh, it says that shepherds returned and glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So they became witnesses. Just your average, everyday Joe person working out the fields. Okay, second one. Uh, Luke 8, 28-39. You don't have to read the whole thing. It's a story of a guy, and this is kind of creepy, but he's possessed by a bunch of demons. Um, it says that he lives in a graveyard, uh, it says the people of the city try to bind him, and every time they tie him up, he breaks off the chains because he's got all these creepy spirits in him. It's not nice. It says that he runs around screaming all night, and he's naked. Now, how would you like that if somebody was living in the trees over there behind Walmart and running around town like that? You'd probably try to tie him up too, right? <laughs> so what happens? Jesus comes in on a boat. He was in another town, and he just kind of comes into the town, gets out of the boat, says as soon as he steps out of the boat, this guy comes and runs at him, confronts him. And I won't go through the whole story, but Jesus commands the demons that are in this guy, cast them out into a herd of pigs, swine, um, <laughs> who go crazy and run off the cliff into the lake and ground. Um, 
But it says that there's a commotion and everybody from the region comes to see what's going on. And when they arrive, this guy that everybody had tried to tie up, this guy that everybody tried to bind, says that they find him on the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. This guy's been changed. This guy's been healed. Now who thinks this guy's got a good testimony now? We should send him in the mission field, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> what does Jesus say to him? He, he begs Jesus, take me with you. Jesus says, no, go home and tell your family what God has done for you. So it says, uh, he, Jesus said, return to your home, declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. So he became a witness of what Jesus had done for him. That's a pretty cool story. Like, we don't know a lot of story like that. But have you been delivered from anything? Have you been changed? Uh, third story. Philip. I've talked about this guy before. I love this guy. Now, in Acts chapter 6, there's the, the church is growing. And so the disciples are being distracted um, from preaching the word. So they say, we're going to choose seven guys. And we're going to put them all over um, the dispersal, dispersal of funds, I guess, or food or whatever. They actually say that we shouldn't be distracted from waiting on tables. So I'm going to go with that one, waiting on tables. Um, yeah, so this guy, Philip, is one of the seven that are chosen. Uh, so he's waiting on tables, continues for a while. A great persecution arises. Uh, one of the guys that stoned at us, Stephen, not, not this guy, Stephen, that was chosen to wait on tables, is a big testimony they kill him. Um, the, the Roman nation, I guess, would rise up and, and starts persecuting the church and think it's pretty cool to throw Christians in with the lions and things like that. So what happens is everybody spreads out to take off. And we find Philip in chapter 8 in a town called Samaria. And what does he do when he gets there? He's a waiter who waits on tables, right? No. He starts sharing about what Jesus did for him. Uh, so much so that he starts to heal their sick. This is a city-wide revival breaks out. This is the waiter, right? Okay. In the middle of all this, though, an angel instructs Philip to leave and go up in the middle of nowhere, where he finds this guy in the chariot, who is uh, in charge of, I think it's the queen's treasury of Ethiopia. So he's on his way back to Ethiopia, I guess. And led by the sport, Philip goes over, approaches the man, finds the guy trying to read some scripture. Doesn't understand what it is. Philip says, can I help you out? So the guy's, yeah, I don't understand. How will they, how will they hear if no one teaches or speaks to them? So Philip goes over and explains to what he's reading. Then he goes and says that he explains all that the prophets have to say about Jesus. Uh, the man believes and is baptized. He then, the man, the treasury guy, returns back to Ethiopia, 
And tradition tells us that the whole of the country, the whole of the nation of Ethiopia, hears of the gospel because of this guy. Or because of Philip. You take your pick. But they both had an encounter with Christ that changed their lives, and they became witnesses. Now, is that in the story of Philip? No. What happens to Philip? It actually says he disappears. And he, I never caught this. It says he finds himself. In Astos, I think I didn't write the name down. I always thought it was like, well, he was just found there. In this version that we're reading, he finds himself. Can you imagine that? You just share the gospel with somebody, and all of a sudden you find yourself somewhere else. Anyways, Philip finds himself in another town, continues to preach, town to town until he comes to Caesarea. So, is that it? Is that all? No! There's more. If you keep reading through the book of Acts, Acts 21, verse 8, uh, we've, re- we've removed our focus off of Philip, we're focusing on Peter and Paul for most of Acts. Paul's on his way to Rome, he's with his little entourage, they come to Caesarea, they stop for the night, they stay at the home of Philip the waiter. No. Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. So here's a guy that was chosen to wait on tables to help out around the church. And now he's, he's the first one that's listed with the name Philip the Evangelist. It's pretty cool. All because God came into his life and changed how he lives. Folks in their day-to-day jobs, a guy set free, a waiter turned evangelist. Three stories of people who have encountered Jesus and had their lives changed and changed the lives of those around them. Uh, we all have a story to share. A story of hope. A story of a God who loves us, sent his son to die and prosper us. We have a story of resurrection power. Of a God who raised up his son Jesus from the grave. You have a story to share. I have a story to share. Uh, I have a story of a life uh, not pleasing to God. It started out so, but I have a story of uh, someone who turned it back on uh, a pretty good life and got into uh, a pretty bad life. I don't want to go into details, but I mean, I was uh, basically a drunk. And uh, I came to a concert one night and heard about Jesus. Now I've heard of, I, I, I can look back on my life and say I've heard about Jesus. I, I can see many, many times where I've heard about Jesus. Um, but there was a night. I don't remember the date. I remember where I was. I remember, I remember who was playing. I remember some of the stuff that was going on that night. But there was a night that I heard about Jesus. That I heard that he died on the cross for my sins and that I didn't have to carry that shame anymore. Um, It was a night. So, I'm going to stop for a minute. If you're here today, and you've heard about Jesus, and you've heard about Jesus, maybe this is the first time you've heard about Jesus, about Him freeing you, about Him taking your sins away so you don't have to worry about that anymore. 
Um, I want you to pray right now. Let's just bow our heads. We'll all pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus, who loved us so much that he would take our sins away by dying on the cross. And God, we thank you that you would raise him from the grave so that we can join him in that everlasting life. I thank you for the peace that you give to our spirits, to our souls, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you encounter Jesus, and you have your life changed because of him, you have a story. It's your story. You don't need to have training on how to share it. Um, you don't need to go away to school. You don't need to speak in highfalutin language. How's that for you? You don't need to have fancy words. You just need to share your story of what Jesus has done for you. Um, you don't need to stand on a box on a street corner. And I've seen them before. Some of them are pretty new. Uh, 1986, I think it was, I was in Madison, Wisconsin. It's the first time I ever remember seeing a guy on the street corner. And he actually had a box he was standing on. And I remember, I, it was like Moses in the burning bush that I was kind of drawn aside to it. And then I went into another bar. I remember like God God shows me these things of how He was calling out to me on my journey. You don't need to do that. But if you're called to it, do it well. Do it with sincerity. Do it do it with your head held high. God's given you a, a story to your story. Um, you don't need to go to Bible school for four years to become a pastor. But if you're called to it, you do it well. Good on yourselves. Yeah. You don't need to uh, tell any single person that you meet. You don't need to quote scripture. You just need to tell your story. You need to go see your neighbor that's hurting. You need to talk to your coworker if you're not in front of all the other guys. Um, that was that was that was a that was a learning experience for me in the middle. Uh, a guy that wasn't a Christian and they all saw the way I lived it. And then they saw the change that happened in me. Um, and you're working with twenty plus guys um, that are guys in the and they're they're making just just being guys. Um, that was fine. I didn't have to defend myself, really. Uh, but the neat thing about it was the times that the Holy Spirit would intervene, someone would, someone would be going through something difficult, and they would approach me and ask me, what should I do in this situation? Where all hope seemed to be lost, and suddenly I had hope. Uh, be that neighbor, be that friend, be that coworker. Offer hope. Uh, you all have beautiful feet. Uh, 
I took a note, I put my shoes and socks off before I came out. <laughs> I was going to preach with my bare feet out here. No, you all have beautiful feet. You all have a story to share, and wherever your beautiful feet carry you, that's where you're allowed to share it. God will, God will intervene, God will direct your path, and God will give you the words. Um, and, and I mean, I've, I've been doing this for a long time now. God will give you the exact word to say at the right time, and sometimes it's one word, and be okay with just giving that one word. Um, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen it where I've spoken one word to somebody and they just break down and cry. And then they say thank you and they'll go about their business and then I'll hear about it weeks later or I don't hear about it at all. But I know that they needed that one word. Um, be prepared to, to open yourself up to do that. Um, let's, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you that we each have a story. And I thank you that you put it in our hearts. I thank you that we've had encounters with you that have changed our lives. And I know that not all of us are called to preach the gospel around the world. But we are still called to be your witnesses. So Lord, I pray that we would stir up that passion to share our stories. Pray that you would um, give us words of hope to a hurting uh, community, to a hurting friend, to a hurting nation, to a hurting world. You have the words that we need to speak. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just empower each one of us you would give us boldness when we need it. You would give us wisdom to, to speak and to show love. But I pray that you will direct us to the one that is hurting, the one that needs to hear your words about your love for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So, y'all got beautiful feet. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? Um, <laughs> it's just a challenge time. Um, I really want you to open yourself up this week. Look, look for the the opportunities that are there all the time that we sometimes miss. Um, really pray, really pray into it this week that the Holy Spirit would, would show you when He's guiding you. When you're driving down the normal way that you go home and you suddenly turn left. When you're at the grocery store when you normally go up and down this aisle because this is on my list, and you go down this aisle because you haven't gone down the aisle. Um, look, look for the people that are around you that are
are downcast. Look for the people that just look like they're lost. And then ask God um, to show you what, what to do. Maybe you're just required to pray for them. Pray for them by yourself. Maybe you're required just to smile at them. That's pretty powerful. A smile on the face when you're when you're sad is pretty nice. Maybe you're just supposed to say, hey, and you're in town. What do you think of our city? <coughs> but just pray for those opportunities, okay? I guarantee you, if you start thinking about it right now and stay focused on this, you're going to have an encounter this week. I guarantee it. Your, your eyes will be open to those that are around you that hurt you. And you won't just walk by. Um, you'll at the very least pray for them. Okay? That's it. Thank you. Um, any other questions? Yeah.